Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. I want to talk to you today a little bit about a journey that I've been going on for the past few months. Actually, probably for the last 30 years, to be honest, but it's become quite apparent to me um, over the last few months. And I don't know whether you, you realise this, but you know the moment that you give your life to Jesus and you become a Jesus follower doesn't mean that everything is downloaded into you and everything is okay and you know how to do everything, you know how to work stuff out. Who knows that isn't true? That just doesn't happen, does it? And if you, you are not um, yet a follower of Jesus today, um, and you're watching this online or you're in one of our locations, welcome, great to be speaking to you today. Um, please know that, that just because we would say we were a Christian doesn't mean that we've got it all together and we know everything's going to work out, because we don't. And when I was growing up, I used to love to complete those personality profile tests. You know the ones I mean. Um, I used to... Um, be a, an avid reader when, when I was a teenager, and I still am, and I used to buy a lot of magazines and teenage magazines, and I'm going to date myself now, but, but does anybody remember those wonderful ones like Blue Jeans, Patches, My Guy? Oh, yeah, come on. And other teenage magazines were available, but they're the ones that kind of stuck out to me when I was growing up. And in them, there'd be these tests, and you'd fill them in, and at the bottom, depending on how many you'd circled A, B, or C, to tell you what the kind of person that you were. Yeah? So, you know, there'd be stupid questions like, you know, you go to a party with your friends and you see a boy sitting on the couch. A, do you approach him? B, do you let him approach you? Or C, do you just ignore him altogether? And it would tell you at the end what kind of person you are. And probably my husband would have got a great insight if he'd have seen some of those answers to my questions. But, um, but I've completed loads of these personality things throughout my life, and you may have done as well, you know, we, I could name a few things like Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram and, and all those kinds of stuff, because I'm really fascinated in trying to work out the kind of person that I am. Well, recently, we did one as a team, and it was one that was um, produced by North Point, which is a church that we often reference, and it was called You Heard... Was it? Um, I'm going to get it right now. I said this, you heard that. And um, I was sitting there, and it was giving all these loads of things, and I was thinking, I'm not like that. That's not me. And yet, the, the scale at the end was telling me that I was. And let me tell you, the reason why I didn't like this particular one is because it is me. These are me. And over the last couple of months, I've been able to see myself <laughs> through, through that, that kind of course that we went on uh, about our temperaments in me. And I just want to share a bit about that with you, because our society values words like independence, doesn't it? And being self-determined, and let's be self-sufficient, and self-reliant. Do you know, and I've realised something over the past few months, I'm still a very self-reliant person. And I know that because in the last eight weeks, two significant things have happened um, that tells me that I'm more self-reliant than I'd like to think I was. Um, I was on holiday um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was only away, only away for a few days, and you said that you, send, you set up, don't you, these like um, things if you have an email that sends a message back to someone to say, oh, you know, they're at the office, if you need any help, contact so-and-so and so-and-so, you know, which is what I'd done. But while I was away, I hadn't turned off my emails on my phone, so they kept popping up. So I would, I'd ignored most of them, 
But a couple of them popped up and I thought, this is really important. I'd better let, you know, Jonathan know that this needs doing or I'd better let, you know, some of the members of my team know that this needs doing. And so I'd be sending emails back saying, look, this, this needs to happen, blah, 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 thinking nothing of it. Until I got back into the office on Monday and they sat me there and they said, what were you doing? What were you doing? You'd set up a process for all of this to happen, and yet you obviously didn't trust the process because you were still telling us what we needed to do. And you know what? They were absolutely right. I didn't trust the process. And the second thing that happened was when I was away with Russ recently, and um, this was a trip that I'd planned pre-COVID. So I'd, this was going to be our trip of a lifetime, and I'd planned it to the nth degree. Like, I told Russ what time we needed to get up in the morning when he could breathe. Do you know what I mean? It was all that kind of... I'd literally, like, got it down to the nth degree. And something happened outside of our control. Um, California decided to have a flood. Um, and they hadn't had rain for about three and a half years in this particular area, which meant that we had to divert. And so we went somewhere, and then we ended up at, at another hotel. And I'm not going to say the name of the hotel, because it, the name of the hotel does not tell you what kind of hotel it was. It was the complete opposite. And we got there, and it was full of the biggest biker gang in America. The, honestly, they'd come from all over the States to congregate in this one hotel. There was all these bikers and me and Ross... Literally, and they were huge. And they had all these motorcycles there, and we drove, and I was saying to us, don't touch those motorbikes, please don't touch those motorbikes with the car. And I was worried. I was thinking, what have we come into? We are not safe here. Russ went out to get the bags, and I kid you not, I was Googling other hotels in that town to try and somewhere else to stay, and I literally was a second from pressing to purchase another hotel that we couldn't afford, and Russ came in and went, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to take, basically, I'm trying to take control. I'm trying to make it work out how I want it to work out. And the voice of reason, my husband said, it's one night, honey. It's one night. We can do this. And do you know what? The best one in the world. We had some lovely conversations with those biker guys. They were lovely. <laughs> so, do you know, I'm very aware about how self-reliant I need to be. And the dictionary definition of self-reliance is this. It's reliance on one's own power and resources rather than those of others. And we tend to think that doing something on our own is really admirable, don't we? You know, that, that, that's, we can really pat ourselves on the back about that because we're encouraged to strive for independence and we're driven and we're hardworking and we're focused. And you know what? That is all great. That is not a bad thing to be. It shows strength and resilience. And I would agree about that to a point. But not when I have limits that I just struggle to accept that impact the rest of my life. We all have limits. And we misunderstand self-reliance. And I misunderstand self-reliance. And I see it as hard working and being diligent and just using my common sense. And all of those things are good, but it's not the core of what being self-reliant is all about. And I'm just going to share my journey with you today. Through these three things, we're going to quickly look at which are these. What self-reliance can look at, why self-reliance doesn't work, and why reliance on God does, and how to try and do that. And that's where we're going to go for the time we've got together today. Okay. So who loves a good underdog story? Who loves a good underdog story? Yes, yeah, so do I. You know, when people overcome adversity, they accomplish something they never thought they were able to do. 
I know I watched The Karate Kid recently again. Other underdog films are available. Um, but I watched The Karate Kid recently, and I was really struck by watching Daniel go through all that training that he did to get courage and his confidence. And do you know what I was aware of? As a Christian, I've got a training program as well. I'm in a training program as well. And you are, if you're a Jesus follower today. And 1 Timothy 4 verse 7 tells us what this is. It says, I have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, so no throwing the salt over your right shoulder. Okay? Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. It's a process. It's a journey. But in order for me to fully rely on God, I've got to admit that my own self-reliance will not lead ultimately to the growth and to the security that I really want to have and that you really want to have. And God has been working to train me for years, over 30, to be honest. But over the last few months, I've become really aware, you know, that this is still a journey that I'm on. And it's probably, if I'm honest with you, my biggest challenge. Because I know, hand on heart, that I still have expectations that there's a solution for something around the corner in my life that doesn't involve God. We all have limitations. We all have limitations. We'll have different ones, but we all have them. We all have them. But if we don't understand where our limits are, we won't know where we can look to God for help. So what might self-reliance look like? And before you say to me, well, Jane, people can do great things, can't they, when they're reliant on themselves? Yes, they can. They can through talent and training and hard work. But there's a difference I want to show you today between being self-reliant and God-reliant. And Jeremiah, wonderful Jeremiah 17, is going to tell us what this is. Verses 5 to 6 say this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now, don't worry about that word cursed, okay? Don't worry about the word cursed. That's just, it sounds really menacing, doesn't it, and really intimidating, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. That just means a really an afflicted, like, you know, how, you know, you really don't want to be this person. So that, you can click it on, Timo, sorry. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. There are negative side effects to being self-reliant that I want to talk to you about today. What kind of person does being self-reliant make me? What kind of person does being self-reliant make me? And the first thing it does, Jeremiah says, is this. It makes me unfaithful. Now, don't worry about that word in the tone of it being like in a marital sense of being unfaithful. That isn't what I'm trying to say, but it is about relationally. And Jeremiah said in those verses that my heart strays from God. That's what it says. It also strays from others. Anybody ever done the trust fall exercise? You know, when it's normally a team building thing where you get a load of people and you get somebody to stand and they just fall backwards. And I was going to do it this morning, but I didn't think I could stand the health and safety and risk assessments that I would have to do. Um, and also, as we're talking about self-reliance, I wasn't quite sure you'd catch me. So, <laughs> but what's, what stops us falling? It's the fear of not being caught, isn't it? Someone will let us fall. Somebody will let us down. 
And we've all had experiences like that. We've all had experiences like that. And whether it's the trust fall exercise, or whether it's something that's more devastating that's happened in your life, whatever the case, we learn a lesson like this. We can't fully rely on anybody, so we're going to have to rely on ourselves. That's the lesson that we learn. And let me tell you, once that mindset takes root in our heads, it can be really hard to ever fully trust somebody, even God. I mean, see, I can know in my head that God's good. I can know in my head that God's faithful. I can know in my head that he'll never leave me. But there's also a little voice in this side of my head that questions that. And that's what causes me, I've realised, to try and take control of everything that's going on around me. You see, self-reliance by its very definition causes me to stray because I'm only ultimately relying on myself. I never allow myself to need God or somebody else. And it's almost a weakness I can see in myself, if I'm honest with you. But when I do that, or when we do this, we are limiting the loyalty and even intimacy that we can experience in our relationships because I don't fully give my heart I don't fully give my heart. I can be unfaithful. The second thing is this. I can be unmoved. What does that mean to me? It means I don't grow. Jeremiah says that I'm like that stunted shrub in the desert. Self-reliance gets us stuck because we avoid situations and opportunities where we don't believe we're going to be successful. Do you know how limiting that is? Do you know how limiting that is? how much we miss out on. And not just for us, but I can limit that for the people around me too. Quick example, a few years, a couple of years ago, we had a leak coming through our ceiling and um, Russ was here, ready to play at an event and I was just about to leave and the water was pouring through the ceiling. And, he, and I, so I phoned him, I said, you've got to come home. And he said, I can't come home, I'm about to do this thing. He said, have you turned the stopcock off? I'm like, what's that? I... First thing, always find out where your stopcock is. Lesson, lesson, learnt there. So I went and I found it and I turned it off and I waited for him to come home. And he came home and we found out where the leak was under the bath. And he went, I can fix this. And I'm going, no, you can't. You can't get a plumber. We need a plumber. No, I can fix this. And honestly, in my head, I was literally yelling, you can paint it, you can draw it, you can, you can write a song about it. Don't touch it. You're going to make it worse. That was really what I was saying. The truth underlying that was this. I can't fix it, so you can't either. I can't fix it, so you can't either. And the truth is that God will often use situations like that, that when we feel over our heads, so we can grow with him. Third thing is, I can be unbelieving. Jeremiah says that I'm stunted with no hope for the future. What does that mean? It says, I don't see good things happening even when they do. And it doesn't mean that good things won't happen to me or won't happen around me. What that means is, because of the lens I'm looking through, I won't see it like that. You won't see it like that. Because when I'm being self-reliant, when you're being self-reliant, I only trust and see what I understand for the future. And it leaves no room for God to do anything. It's looking a great picture, isn't it? I can be uninspiring There it is. I look at the circumstances happening in my life and they become unbearable for me. 
They become unbearable for me. Because when I'm being self-reliant, totally reliant on me, it makes me hopeless about those circumstances because I think I ultimately have no control over them. Over them. And it makes it really difficult to see hope or purpose in stuff and in the challenges we're going through. And lastly, I can be unattached. What does that mean? Jeremiah said, didn't he, that we'll live in a barren wilderness. You know, barren can mean lonely. Basically, I will feel alone. When I'm being self-reliant, it makes me plan and take action by myself. I don't or I won't trust other people to help, or maybe even people that can do a better job than I would. Do you ever be in a car and you drive and somebody else is driving and you've gone for the brake in the passenger side? Oh, I do that so often. And do you know what control that has? None, does it? None at all. But sometimes, do you know what? I look for that secret brake pedal with God. What do I mean by that? Well, if we use the car analogy, I can say to God, and some of you will have heard this before, you take the wheel, God, you steer where my life is going. But when you start to do something I don't like or I feel uncomfortable, I'm slamming that brake on. And I do that more often than I'd really like to admit. And if you look at the list of these side effects, do I want to be that person? Do I want to be that person? And can you see yourself in any of that today? So why doesn't self-reliance work really quickly? We choose to be self-reliant, I believe, because we honestly believe it will work for us. That's why we choose it. And there's a whole book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament that I haven't got time to unpack today, and I'd really encourage you to have a look at that, which discusses in great detail how pointless our human life can be when we're being self-reliant. And Jesus teaches us that we can bear fruit with our lives and achieve the impact that God plans for us. What? With his help. How do you know that, Jane? Because John 15 verse 5 tells me that. I am the vine, you, Jane, are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying here that we can, cannot live a truly fruitful life, a life filled with lasting impact without learning to be attached to God and becoming less self-reliant and more God-reliant. And the good news is today, we can all go on that journey with him. How? Back to Jeremiah. It says this, but Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And that sounds a lot more inspiring to me. I don't know about you. And just as there are side effects from being self-reliant, there's also side effects from being God-reliant. And how does this look like for us? Well, the first thing it looks like is this. I can have confidence. When I live a God-reliant life, I will always have a secure source of confidence. Like Jeremiah says about that tree sending out its roots 
to where it knows for sure the water supply is. In that picture, it's to a stream. In other versions, it says to a river. It's not depending on the rain falling. It's not depending on the rain falling. It's not depending on circumstance. It knows exactly where that water source is and it sends its roots out to secure a source of water. That's like our confidence can be in God. The second thing is, is I can have courage. I can have courage. When I'm reliant on God, it can overcome the fear of the hardest circumstances because I know that I have that extra strength from God to handle almost anything. Now let me put that in a bit of context because Jeremiah says, I won't fear when heat comes. We will find ourselves in uncomfortable and unwanted circumstances. We'll have been in them and we will be in them again. But he also says in that passage from Jeremiah that I won't be anxious in the year of drought. Now, drought is a little bit more severe than heat. If you're in a time of drought, that tells, says to me that it's, it's a season, it's a longer circumstance, it's a longer period of time. I'll be dealing with drought longer than I'll be dealing with heat. But you know what? It doesn't matter whether I'm under heat or whether I'm in a drought season today. I can still bear fruit if I'm being God-reliant. And the last thing is this. I can be a catalyst. What's a catalyst? A catalyst causes a reaction of change. When I'm being God-reliant, I can help produce the fruit of helping other people to change. So how do we become God-reliant? I've got to be honest, I'm still in that process of learning how to do that. But I think the thing I've learned is this. What's the primary difference in those two pictures from Jeremiah? the shrub and the tree. The difference is the location. The location of my trust. And it's summed up here in some famous verses that a lot of you will have heard before in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths Straight. Now, if I'm leaning on something, I'm trusting that this is going to take the whole of my weight. Not just my physical weight, though, but everything that I am carrying. And I'm reminded of my one and only attempt at rock climbing and abseiling, which didn't go particularly well. And I had to climb up one side of the hill, and a couple of you have heard this story before, but I climbed up one side of the, of, I say it's a mountain, but it was a hill. I've got, I'm prone to exaggeration, but in my head it was a mountain. And I'm climbing up this side, and you have to repel down, down the other. And repelling was the worst experience for me, because you know, don't you, that, that when you repel, you have to lean back, and there's that moment when there's nothing it feels like nothing is supporting you until your legs take over. Anybody ever done that? The old abseiling, repelling thing? Brilliant, I'm not on my own then. And you're trusting the person at the top with your life. And here's what I remembered the other day, because I've used this illustration many times in many places, but here's something I never thought of. The other person at the top of that mountain helping me repel down couldn't have been any older than 16. He was a child. 
He was an absolute child. And I'm trusting my entire life for somebody who couldn't even drive yet. And I'm hanging off this thing. And he said to me, just don't bring your legs together and don't loose that middle rope. And so what did I do? I put my legs together and I loose that middle rope and I'm swinging upside down, I kid you not, from this mountain. And there is a child on the other end of this rope. And do you know what? That young lad got me the right way up and got me to the ground safely. And here's the thing I didn't want to admit. And I'm admitting it to you now. I gave that 16-year-old guy more trust and control over my life than I sometimes give to God. Because I can face what is sometimes a really small issue and I will go into full-on control mode. I will text, I will email, I'll make phone calls, I'll try and book different hotel rooms to try and force the situation back to where I want it to be. And if I'm depending on me, and my experience, and my wisdom, and my success story, I'm going to eventually run into a situation where that isn't going to work. Or worse, I'll make it worse by trying to apply my wisdom, my knowledge, my experience. My understanding, as referenced in Proverbs, that I'm not supposed to lean into, is flawed, it's insecure, it's movable, it's inconsistent, it's independent on my emotions, it's incomplete. Why would I want to lean into that? Trust. It's a matter of trust. And trust is more than just believing in something. It means believing with so much of you that you are willing to order your life around that specific truth. And God reminded me of that abselling experience to say, hey Jane, you trusted a child with your very life back then. How about trusting me, the creator and sustainer of the entire universe, with whatever may be bothering you right now? You see, self-reliance is limited. God-reliance is limitless. Self-reliance brings it with its stress and worry, but God-reliance brings me peace. And relying on God, I found, is the process of telling myself, and I say process deliberately, that I don't have all the answers, but committing myself to involving God and inviting him when I face those situations that I might find frustrating. It requires me to trust not only that God cares, but that he's real. And he's able to make a tangible difference in my life. And this is an ongoing process for me. It's a choice that I have to make, sometimes daily, because I can so easily slip back to leaning on me. So what am I asking you today? What I'm asking you to think about or to do today, because this is my journey. But I don't think it's just my journey. How dependent would you say today that you are on yourself? Where might you say that this can only be done well if I do it? Where do you struggle to let others maybe help you 
because you might just be a little bit afraid that they might just mess it up. Basically, which tree do you want to be? Do you want to be that shrub in the desert that's parched? Or do you want to be that tree that is sending its roots out to the source of everything that could give us life? You see, when I'm tricked and fooled into um, thinking that I can accomplish everything by myself, then I start not seeing the need for God in my life at all. And that isn't a place where he wants me to be. How might your tomorrow look if you trust in, depend on, start to become more God-reliant than self? And I just want to give you a moment just to reflect on your own life right now, whether you're in our locations right now, just, just close your eyes and just think about your life and what's happening right now today. If you're watching online, you can do this too. Where might you need to acknowledge that you're really being self-reliant? When the God of all heaven and the God of all creation is just waiting to be invited in to step in and help you carry that. What are you trying to carry and work through on your own? Being God-reliant, you know, means to, to depend on His limitless resources and abilities to help us in every situation at all times. And that's an incredible promise and truth. I was talking to a member of my team a couple of weeks ago and she was talking about a time where she felt disconnected from God and, and she'd wandered away and she said she was, she'd got stuff going on in her life and she suddenly woke up in the night and she suddenly thought, the book stops with me. I've nowhere to go with this. I've nowhere to go with what I'm feeling. I've nowhere to go with what is happening to me. I've got to carry all of this. And then she remembered that there was a God that was just waiting to be invited in. And the beautiful thing is today that no matter how many times we try and take control, no matter how many times we try and work things out by ourselves, He never gives, us remi- never gives up reminding us that He's got you, He's for you, He's with you, He has a plan for you, and that plan is for you to excel and be the best version of yourself that you can be. And maybe you've never even thought about God in that way today. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've never even thought that actually there is somebody outside of you that just wants to step into your world and help you. I want to invite you today. Why don't you just take a moment and invite him into that situation? In in the locations here, we have people who'd love to pray for you if that is you today. And if you're watching online, there's a process that you can access called Say One For Me. And we'd love to hear from you if there's things that we can pray for you. And you're just struggling to carry through things on your own. But I'm just going to ask us to stand this morning. I'm going to quickly pray before we finish. And because I know that this isn't just my journey. We'll all be leaning on things. 
carrying things ourselves and God is just waiting to be invited in. And just as I pray, I want you to put that, that situation, that circumstance, that person, just that feeling that you may have. It may be something really small, but it may be something really big. And you know what? God is equally as interested in both. And so as I pray, just bring that to the forefront of your mind right now. And God, I thank you that you are the sustainer of the universe. You are the creator. You are beautiful, wonderful, and powerful. And God, forgive me that I forget that I have limits, that I'm human, that I can only carry so much. And Father, I bring to you right now that situation, that circumstance, that experience where I know that I'm just trying to work it out myself. That I think actually this will go well if I do it myself. And so God, we just invite you right now to step into that place, to step into that experience, to step into that circumstance. And help us lean into you more than we lean into ourselves. You are the same God. And Lord, as we sing this song now about you being the God of Jacob and the God of David and the God of Mary, we want to experience that same God just come Holy Spirit and as we sing this song to finish our time together today maybe there's a line in this song that really will stick out to you Maybe you need the God of Jacob today. Maybe you need the God of David. Maybe, you know, the song says you won't face Goliath, but we have our own giants. It is the same God. It is the same God. And you know what? This God will hold your tomorrow. But I want to remind you as we sing, this same God also holds your today. Amen. Excellent.